0: Welcome to the guelph politicast i'm adam a donaldson of guelph politico today i talk to kelly caldwell who is a guelph realtor now when we're talking about the housing crisis we frequently go to the activists and advocates or we talk to representatives from all three levels of government and this is understandable but there are a lot of pieces to the housing puzzle and we don't lean on all of them equally and so much as we want to vilify the people who take part in the open housing market that so many of us are priced out of, we still need them if we're going to have hope in developing solutions to this housing crisis. So where do the realtors fit in? Where do they see themselves in developing the solutions to the housing crisis? Do they even think about it at all? Well, we're going to talk to one realtor that definitely has been thinking about it. Making housing solutions, all of our business, is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. Here's a quote. In Guelph, and in most cities, the time has come to stop pretending that we will new build our way out of the housing crisis. This is a profoundly complex issue, but we continue to have politicians and members of the business community who make it sound as if the path out of this is just as simple as adding more supply to the market. Unquote. Now, who said this? Edward Pickersgill? Perennial local Communist Party candidate Juanita Burnett? One of the friends from your downtown Guelph friends? Nope. It was realtor Kelly Caldwell in a blog post that went viral last month. Although she confesses that she's not an expert in municipal politics or politics at all, she put together an eight-point plan that even got the mayor talking about some of her ideas, some of which may be surprising to you coming from a realtor. Things like universal basic income, expanded protections for renters, and creating something called community land trusts. Caldwell's blog post opened up a particular question for me, and it was something I've been thinking about for a while. What is the responsibility of people working in the market to help solve the housing crisis? What is the responsibility of realtors specifically When he was on Open Sources last week, I asked Lloyd Longfield, hypothetically, what would happen if the federal government just nationalized housing for five years to build affordable and social housing until the crisis was contained? His answer was unsurprisingly dense, but it essentially boiled down to the fact that everyone has to play their part, and that's also what Caldwell wants. How do we get there, though? That is the question that needs an answer. We'll try and get there on this week's episode of the Guelph Politicast. We're going to talk to Caldwell about why she wanted to start writing about the housing crisis, what the crisis looks like through the eyes of a realtor, and what role she sees people working in real estate playing in order to help solve the problem. We will also talk about whether her industry is equipped to deal with the system in crisis, how you balance housing as a human right and as a commodity, and why wanting your investment in housing to pay off is about more than just greed. And finally, we will discuss why some people aren't so sure they like her getting political, how she sees the role of all the players in developing housing, and what advice she gives home buyers and sellers in this market, even if they don't want to hear it. So I caught up with Kelly Caldwell last week via Zoom. Okay, Kelly Caldwell, thank you so much for hopping on with me today.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks for asking me.
0: May I ask to, to begin, what made you as a realtor want to uh, get into the the waters, the muddy waters of talking about the housing crisis and and blocking about it? Um, what What made you want to put your stamp on the issue, as it were?
1: I think there's two things. I think it's... First of all, I'm I'm not just speaking as a realtor. I also, you know, I own a house and I I'm mom, um, so I'm invested. And I grew up in Guelph, so I'm very invested and uh, I, I'm concerned. So I'm I'm just interested in it as a human being. On the real estate side of things, I felt like we were missing some perspective because mm. I think most commonly when we hear from real estate agents in and around the housing crisis they're standing on the mountain saying, we need to build more stuff. And oftentimes, that's kind of where the conversation begins and ends with them like, hey, it's just supply and demand. Suck it up. We just need to build. So I find myself not, you know, aligned with that way of thinking. And, you know, I thought, um, I'm just going to be authentic. I always have been in my business. And it's an issue that I feel really passionately about. So um and yeah i just felt like there was a bit of a missing perspective from Mm. those kind of in the trenches so to speak
0: no and i would agree and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to talk to you and uh, i want to look at it this way too because you know i go to you know talks and events and talk to people on the, the proverbial street and i think people have a pretty set opinion about kind of who the villains are in the housing crisis and it's more often than not the developers and i wonder as a realtor as someone who's you know connected to that world um do you feel maybe you you get a a bit of that backbite when when talking about the housing crisis that you know because you participate in the in the market as a as a realtor
1: oh yeah and i think a a good portion of that is very fair i think real estate agents have not created the housing crisis but we have not always helped it right Uh, and we have played a role in it i mean offers don't write themselves so you know i i guess i do look at it and see the need for us to be accountable um and i get it i i really do you know i don't i don't walk out there and broadcast that i'm a realtor and i'm often on social media and there's some there's some post and it's like oh realtors and i'm like oh yeah. but mm. have, um, And some of it, I think, is a misunderstanding of probably, you know, the profession and and all of that. But other aspects of it are are very fair and very justified. And I've always I've long said that we need some more reform in the province of uh, with regard to real estate.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to get there. Uh, but first, from from your point of view, you know, for people who come to you, whether that's to sell a home or people looking to buy a home, given all the the things that are happening in the market, I mean, w- you know, when, when you're talking to people, like, what are their expectations? Um, you know, is, is there's, you know, as, as a professional, are, are there things like you are always prepared for, or, like questions you always get answered? You know, what are people looking for when they when they seek you out?
1: Yes, I think that it really always falls into two, the two categories, right? So on the on the selling side, it's always, I need to get as much money as humanly possible out of this house, and and, and of course you do. I mean, right. I, I have personally sold two houses in the last three years, and I've said those exact words. I get it. Um, so that's that's where they're coming from, and in many cases, it's a legitimate. It's not just greedy. Um, mm-hmm legitimately like, look, we need more space. So therefore, if we can't get this amount of money to then turn around and put into something else, it's just not gonna work. So their concern is definitely on that, as well as I would say, you know, selling a house is incredibly disruptive and stressful. Mm
0: -hmm. One
1: of the most horrible experiences, honestly, to go through in many ways. So a lot of conversations I would say with sellers revolve around how do, how do we make this work for your family? Um, and still achieve your main goal, which is, I really need to get as much out of this as humanly possible. And then on the buying front, I mean, it's, it's so interesting because now it's, it's gone from uh, this crazy frenzy, right? Mm. That was just crazy. You couldn't, you just couldn't almost buy anything unless, you know, you went in with no conditions and you knew you were we're overpaying. Um, And now people, you know, then people really took their time and got terrified and now the rates are up and now on the buying side, it's probably as much as anything. How do I even get a mortgage? Mm. Um, You know, the rates have risen and we still have a stress test to contend with for many people. And we've got people with good incomes, perfect credit can't get a mortgage.
0: Mm.
1: So it's really, affordability has definitely become affordability and the ability to even get a mortgage have become the main things for buyers for
0: sure. I mean, there are almost two different things, even though they're kind of tied, it, you know, people are se- trying to sell more because if you have a starter home, you're it, it's a mobility issue, right? People are trying to move out. They're trying to get more space. Um, their families have gotten bigger. And I think we hear a lot of, about that all the time. Uh, The flip side of it is the more people are trying to maximize their, I guess, maximize their asset to make that move, the the harder it is that they're making people who want to buy into the market.
1: It's really hard. And I think it's it's where it's kind of where the rubber meets the road with people that are. It's very easy to say, like, you know, I want to be fair and I want, you know, and nobody likes the games and Mm -hmm. feeling like they're getting really kind of abused in the process as a buyer. But a lot of those buyers also are sellers who then turn around and say, yeah, well, let's, you know, use a a pricing strategy that we know is going to create a frenzy and let's hold offers and let's, you know, let's do this or that 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 really kind of perpetuates the whole thing. So it is hard because I understand it, but it can you're working in a in a it's like an endless loop of How do we ever stop this? How do we just get to a point where people are making reasonable offers and taking reasonable time to consider it? Um, I mean, we had people buying houses that were literally had never seen them. You know, they're making Mm -hmm. cash offers for houses they've just seen photos of online. I mean, that doesn't that can't seem like safe financially or you know smart to anybody but it's where we were you know but
0: but i think those are the kind of stories that you know make people who who can't play in the market people who are are, you know um have housing issues struggling with affordability i think those are the stories that make them mad and they they hear those stories which are maybe exceptions rather than the rule and then that makes them sort that, that sort of turns them against everybody including people like you for
1: sure and i mean again we are in the process and i look at a lot of what happened especially you know a year little over a year ago the beginning of 2022 when things went totally berserk and you know there was a point at which you know i was sort of sitting back and watching and you'd see these you know you'd see the the hot sheet as we call it you'd open it up and something would post as sold that had listed maybe 3 days before and it would in the notes you know say something like 26 offers and i think What are you, what are we doing? Like who's, I think if I have a buyer client and there's already 15 offers registered, I'm telling them guys, let's just sit this one out because you're really just driving the process up Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood that you want to buy. You're working against yourself. Um, I've long advocated for an open bidding process. I think Mm -hmm. I uh, could have avoided a lot of this, but uh, it just wasn't the case. It is something that is going to apparently with the new reforms that are coming. It's now going to be an option because I think there needs to be more transparency in the process to avoid these kind of scenarios. Like, can you imagine being the person who you know bought a house for a hundred thousand over, and you have no idea? Did the second highest offer come in fifty thousand less than what you paid? I mean, like critics will say, like that's that's market oh the house is worth what the somebody pays for it that sort of thing but it just struck it's always struck me as kind of consumer hostile and um so i get while i get it on the selling side right um i can also tell you having been on the selling side when there's been a huge spread between the first and the second offers you might be surprised how many sellers really
0: feel kind of yeah about it
1: because it doesn't seem fair
0: it almost sounds a bit like eBay auctions, where if someone comes in and you're selling something for fifty bucks, and somebody comes in and sells, I'll buy now for two hundred. You jump. <laughs> it, it's
1: it's funny because every you know, and it is human nature. You you really, unless you have, in my opinion, unless you have a buyer agent and probably some family and and everything else telling you, hey, just cool it. This market's nuts it's not going to continue can you just lay low for another 6 months there will there will be opportunities but not right now unless you have that human nature really is we are competitive it does there's no question like as soon as something becomes limited you know uh like right. in any capacity people do want to jump in
0: so you make that- a great point though cuz it's something i'm wondering it's like what is the for lack of a better term what is kind of like the moral component of, of your business I mean you're you're a business person uh people who are are selling their homes for whatever reason are are trying to make uh money on on top of their investment developers when they're selling a new development are are in the pro in the business of making a profit on that um but you know at, at what point and and I' I've, I've tried to try to chomp 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 and bite a bit at the sides about this question like you know something like housing which I think a lot of people even people in the business of making money off housing would say is a human right on the other hand it is also a commodity so I mean for for people who take part in the system I guess what is their kind of moral component to to try and balance those two rather disparate needs
1: I think that it's a huge range because I think there are definitely people who don't care at all mm. and just, they're just Looking to make as much money as humanly possible, we have all kinds of real estate agents that own many, many, many rental properties. For example, right, same thing for mortgage agents and politicians. By the way,
0: mm-hmm. you know, a
1: lot of the people that are, you know, really boots on the ground trying to work through this housing crisis, are professional landlords, and you know, that's fine. I don't begrudge anybody for wanting to become a landlord, but it's very hard to reconcile well how can you be talking about how terrible things are and you're renting out a basement apartment for 2500 bucks a month and where's the where's there's a real disconnect between you know it's like the do as I say not as I do sort of thing I think it's I think real estate is is not always the easiest business to be in if you're really caring and empathetic if I'm honest because yeah, there are times when it feels like are we sure we're doing this i think how i've navigated it is i've always pretended like i do not need the money
0: right <laughs> like, <laughs> <you>
1: know, <laughs> i i just really pretend i don't need the money and it trust me i i do uh, like everybody you know but i've convinced people, many many buyers not to buy a property um, I've convinced many people to walk away when I think it's just not right or the prices have gone crazy or I see huge problems. you know you if you are a real transactional thinker and you really are all about just making the deal um and that's a problem in every industry, not just real estate, but it, you know then then it's hard because when you when you know you're in a market that's completely out of control mm-hmm. um it does seem like the logical, kind thing to do is to tell people, you know what, don't do this. Now, I will say there are also times when people just don't have that choice. You know, they'd be going through a split. They could be, there could be, somebody could have passed away. They lost a job. Like they have to make a move during those really tough periods. Um, And all you can do is just really stick to a very strong code of ethics and know that, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do less work this year, but I'm gonna be able to sleep at night. One thing I never want is, um, I didn't work with very many buyers at all during the the frenzy of early 2022. And a big part of it is because I don't want people calling me in six months or a year telling me they hate my guts because all their house is worth a hundred thousand dollars less than it was. I mean, we we knew we were in the midst of something out of control unsustainable it is was very clear that it was all going to come to an end it was only a question of how big the losses were going to be so i i'm lucky because i don't have a lot of clients like that but i do know real estate agents who have you know clients that kind of look at what they paid and look where they are today and they're they're upset and the everybody has to have some responsibility in the process but um the long and the short to answer your question is it's not easy sometimes
0: well let me ask you this then uh does your your directness and honesty i mean has that had benefit for you as a as a personal brand like people go you know kelly was super honest with us and you know we weren't sure about this and she told us straight and and people are referring you because uh you you tell you tell it like it is
1: i think so i i don't know how to be any other way so (laughs) (laughs) it's not like it's a a part of my brand choice. You know, I just guess I'm hardwired like this. I, uh, yeah, I think it has helped me. It's, it's not for everybody because it's interesting. I had, I was in a, like kind of a work think group, not that long ago and we were talking about personal branding and they were like, well, what would a video of you look like? And I said, Oh, it would be a mess. I like (laughs) an honest video. I'm a, you know, I solo parent, I've got three pets, I said, like our mornings are just complete chaos. I it would show me like probably starting off as a super mom and then by the end of we're gonna be late, snipping at my daughter. And I, you know, the cat's probably barfed and you know, I'm now, now like I've spilled coffee all over my shirt. I mean, and I and and they said, Oh, wouldn't that be great? Everybody would love that. Nobody wants a perfect real estate agent. And I said, Yes, some people do want a perfect real estate agent. There there's a good real estate agent for everybody because some people um and i've ser- i've definitely been told like you know you got to stay away from all this political stuff on social media it's just not it's not our jobs um you know and people don't want to hear it but I- i'm not expressing my views because i want to get clients i'm just expressing my views as anybody can express their views
0: that's interesting because i see a lot of people in your profession who do uh whether it's a lot or a little, wading into those waters, those political waters, because I feel like there's no more political issue right now than housing. There isn't. You know, like almost every decision that's being made at Queen's Park, Parliament Hill, City Hall, has to do with like, how do we get more people? How do we get more people homed?
1: In, In every capacity. I just was out this morning and the entire time driving there and back, I was listening to the radio. It was all about housing encampments. And then there was something else to do with interest rates. I was like, this is all we talk about anymore. <laughs> and, I, and I get it because it's it's such a huge problem. It's a huge problem for today, but it's also, you know, if you have kids or you're thinking about sort of down the road, like what, gosh, like what is, what does it mean for young people? Um, you know, how, how on earth are they going to, if they want to own a house and not everybody does, um but how are they going to do it
0: i want to backtrack a little and this kind of addresses one of the things you're saying off the top about you know getting more transparency in the industry and and making some of those positive changes and you know take take this question however way you sort of want to answer it but just like is real estate as like a business as like a business sector are they capable of navigating like situations like this where we kind of swing wildly from it's like a crazy buying craze to like this big cooling off period and also you know to to put it very directly a lot of government meddling right now there's a lot of you know government interference in in this in this business changing planning rules changing zoning rules creating new opportunities offering funding all of that you know can can any sector operate given the the tumult right now
1: it's it's an interesting question i mean i think that real estate the real estate industry is kind of a lot like you know maybe local governments it's so slow to change Mm. um so we're kind of so reluctant to change i guess in certain ways um and there's i can remember years ago saying we got to have open bidding this is this is crazy like And that was back in 2017 during the first wave of all kinds of in-migration from Toronto. And what we thought was a crazy wave then, we, of course, now it's all relative. And we oh, that wasn't so bad. O- house prices only doubled, you know, uh, or something. But I can remember saying, I think we need like an open bidding process. And of course, I'm, you know, doing my thing. I'm like, oh, look, look what Australia does or whatever. Um, and I can just remember so many people being like, that's never going to happen. And we could never do that. And I'm always like, oh, I hate that. I hate that. I hate just when people go, no, we, that could never work here. Right. And, like, OK, maybe it couldn't. But we're, have we actually had the conversation? Um, so years and years and years of, of all of that. And it's, it's finally something that's going to be coming to Ontario. I th- it's looking like it's going to be an option. For sellers not not a requirement but an option you could put your house on the market and then you can decide do you want an open bidding process or do you want to just do what we do um when these changes happen i think what's interesting is is that i also have to say um it, the the sort of narrative is always like oh my god what happened the it all just dropped like we ha- how could we know well there's always leading indicators it never just drops um so if you i think a lot of this is hopefully we get more and more really intelligent people into the profession Mm. people that are really really watching for the signs because they're there and they sometimes are just a week or two and then you go oh we're in trouble or vice versa um so whether it's at the broker training level or whatever real estate agents need to be v- definitely need to be educated on being how being aware of these shifts because they don't actually just pop you know um usually looking in back backwards oh yeah we should have known and I, I I like to think that I'm pretty good at predicting them but I mean there's certainly been times they've either just been too busy or just didn't wasn't focused on it and, and went oh wow I didn't see that coming so it's hard to know though I, I do see resistance to change I do see um, like so many industries where things have just and, and same thing with politics things have just been done a certain way for so long that it becomes very easy to just be like, yeah, yeah, that's not going to work, and we wipe it off the table without really giving it some consideration.
0: As you were talking there, I was thinking about that scene in The Big Short where Steve Carell's talking to the two Florida real estate brokers who are talking about selling homes to the people with the worst credit, and they don't care because they're they're making brokerage fees. I know. I know.
1: I know it's, it's, it's funny. I like, it's, there are moments. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really, I really like real estate and I, um you know, I like what I do and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the career that I have in it, but there are definitely times and I, I, I don't want to offend anybody in real estate, but there's times where I'm like, oh, this is just so cringe. Like, what are we doing? Um, and I'm sure people in politics feel the same way. I'm sure people in law, like every industry, but you know, we are, we are an easy target, but I think we, in many ways we are a fair target, but you are getting
0: at at something right. Sorry to interrupt, but you are getting at something I think is important is that um, we need a bit more analysis and intelligence, not to say that people in real estate are dumb, but just in terms of like that experience, that educate that ability to read the tea leaves before (laughs) uh, to know the future instead of knowing the past. But I, there has to be also an education component for the general public too. You know, people sometimes just hop into the housing market. Okay. I've got my 20,000 down payment. Uh, my, my banking and, and credit information is good to go. I'll just hop in. And, you know, that's, that's also a, for- a form of ignorance as well.
1: I th- I think what uh, that that is the case. And I think the other piece of it is um Even the people that are sort of more, maybe more market savvy, uh, it's the, and I started noticing this a long, long time ago, but now I will say like, boy, do people, it seems very hard to prevent people from overextending. Mm. When somebody says, okay, I've got an approval up to, I can spend up to 700. All right, let's look at homes at 700. And it's like, well, eh, eh, don't you want to have a little money left over? I mean, being house poor sucks. Uh, I've been house poor for, you know, more years of my life than not. And, you know, it's, it's, could you get by with less? And we seem to just not be make, making the right progress on that front. From my perspective, we still, you know, still looking at homes being built they their mansions. And I think, wow, that's like, that's a lot of house.
0: How much is house flipping shows responsible? I mean, cause I, I sometimes watch those and somebody comes in and says, Oh, I hate the color on the kitchen wall. It's like, well, you can always paint over it. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. You know what? They, they are responsible. Like it's, it's just, um, it's interesting. And again, like the one thing I can, I could not overemphasize enough for anyone buying is you have to have a good buyer's agent who is the person that pulls you back from the brink where you're like, cause sometimes people go through houses and it's like, Adam, it's like, they're going through home sense. Oh, I love this couch oh, I wonder, would you think they would sell this art? I mean, and it's like, listen, we got to focus, hang on, but come on back here. We got to focus on how does the layout work? How does the neighborhood work? You know, what's happening in and around here? We, You can you can go and buy that couch, you know? And, and some buyers agents, you know, they just kind of let people walk through and form their own conclusions. I tend to, and I think a lot of really good buyer agents are out there and they were always pointing out not just the not just the good things like that's easy, mm. um, but it's important to point out things like, oh, OK, well, you know, um, the lines of sight. you got little kids. OK, well, you your kitchen. You can't see your living room from your kitchen. How big of a thing is that? Everybody's always in their kitchen. What are the kids up to? Right. Anything, any little thing like that. So I really always emphasize for people like, gosh, get a good buyer agent who. Isn't always telling you how awesome a house is because there's down da- there's downsides to almost every house. Um, you know, and y- you want them to be pointed out. We've all done it. And we've all bought it. The first house that I bought, I can remember in, in Canada. The first house I can remember just the winter coming and realizing, God, like there's literally nowhere to put a coat in this house. <laughs> no coat closet. There's no hooks. There's nowhere. There's nothing. And of course I should have. I should have known, um, but I was just so excited and it wasn't a cute, wasn't it a cute house and it's a minor thing, um, you know, but so I, yeah, I bought a coat rack, but I mean, honestly, these are the things. So it's um, usually much more significant drawbacks than that, but.
0: but I yeah. was like, sorry, yeah. uh, I, I just, I, I want to move on and, and sort of look at sort of making the listeners a bit smarter. And one of the things I always look at is, is, like solutions and and how do we develop solutions and one of the one of the things i got from your original blog post and i'll I'll put a link in the show notes is that everybody every every level of this has a sort of like a piece of the answer in terms of like all like governments have a piece developers have a piece home present homeowners have a piece real estate has a piece what's preventing all the stakeholders from you know getting together in one place and and like developing like a whole plan instead of this piecemeal stuff where city hall does something and Queens park does something and, you know, fusion homes is uh, feeling generous today and are, are offering a number of affordable units. I mean, how do we create that cohesive plan? I mean, from your perspective.
1: Oh my gosh. I have <laughs> an right here. No, I don't. I mean, I, you know, I think that somehow over the course of, and I, I, I got to preface this by saying I, I'm not a member of any political party. I don't have any aspirations for public office. You know, I don't uh, take shots at just one group uh, or whatever. Mm. Um, I think that what I see out there is a, I don't know if it's an unwillingness. uh, I guess it is an unwillingness for everybody to just get to the table. Mm. It's, It's constantly, I see this on the municipal side. Somebody complains about something. Oh, that's provincial. Right. Okay. I know it's provincial, but what's happening? Like we've, we're living here and I mean, we've got these, it's, it is the way that our government is structured, right? We've got all, all the stuff that has to happen on the municipal level. There's provincial oversight and then there's the federal side. And there just seems to be for some reason, an inability to just get to the table and i think a big piece of it of course is because we have entered a state in this country where politics is so partisan mm. but trying to really find common ground and compromises and solutions seems almost impossible to me because you know even when it's a good idea if the conservatives propose it the other parties are going, oh, well, no, we don't like it or whatever, and vice versa. Sure. Um, it just seems like there's no more real work happening almost sometimes to me, that everybody's just taking their own side and staying in their own lane. And I get it because, yes, it's, you know, it's going to get people prickly when. <laughs> Well, look, I mean, we're, we've are we got the federal uh, government now taking a look at the green belt uh, sprawl mm. and saying, ah, oh, we might have to take a look. And oh, my God, you know, like, wait a minute, you stay in your lane. Well, right. this is staying in your own lanes, getting us nowhere with the housing crisis, uh, because there really is work that needs to be done and quickly at all levels of government. And if we could put party partisan politics aside and egos aside, I think it could actually we could get somewhere. But I I have no idea how to make that actually happen. I wish I wish I did.
0: Right. No, I think that's I think that's a lot of that's correct. Um for people listening, you know, breaking down barriers and all that in the spirit of this discussion. Is there something about your job that you find that there's like a common misunderstanding or a common misunderstanding about real estate in Guelph generally? What what is that and and how how can people sort of be aware of that bias
1: gosh i don't know i think that there's there's certainly a sense and i don't think it's just in guelph i think there is a sense that we get paid far too much for what we do Mm. and and sometimes we do i have had situations where i've met clients we've gone out we've looked at two houses they've bought it they're happy i wind up getting my check and going how how did i get so lucky and all i can say is that those tend to be the the gifts from the universe Mm. and and they come after you know six months of you not getting a paycheck (laughs) (laughs) because it is kind of one of those businesses where you can have real lulls but um you know and i think there's not necessarily an understanding of the kind of expenses and fees and all of that, that we pay because what we quote unquote get paid is obviously there's all kinds of hands in that going out. Uh, But you know what? I, I don't think so. I think that um, I think a lot of the criticism that we've received, we've brought upon ourselves. Mm. And um, I think the, the, that presents opportunities for the really good, Ethical, transparent agents, because um, yes, you do hear horror stories from clients, like when they say, you know, what they've gone through with somebody in the past, for example. Um, and it's about building trust and showing your value. I mean, mm. it's it's easier now, honestly, than it was during that sort of heyday because you know, people were literally going through houses with their iPhones, taking photos and spending no money to market a property and then it sold in two days with 20 offers. And I get it. Somebody says that just seems like you guys are working not really hard enough for the amount of money that you're getting. And I, I get it. Yeah, so I don't know that there's a lot of misperceptions out there. I mean, um, it's interesting. Everybody has a job that they're like, I could never do that. And sometimes people are like, how do you possibly ever work, you know, weekends and evenings? Um, Cause it feels like about of real estate is after four or on Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm weekend. And I just am like, really, how could you ever work nine to five? I don't like (laughs) that. So (laughs) So I guess Uh, there's that bit of it too, is there can be a lot of personal interruptions, I guess, you know, like evenings and downtime, but um, I think it's, I think we're lucky.
0: I hear you. The last few weeks of 10 a.m. council meetings have been rough uh maybe to wrap up um without giving away state secrets uh is there a piece of advice you have for first people who are looking to buy right now and second people who are looking to sell right now what's your advice to to them just generally speaking
1: well i think for the people who are looking to sell right now i would just say really focus on the market that we have today it it's really hard in in the six months or year after a wild market because it seems unfair i know i sold my own house last uh at the end of last spring and i i got out kind of like just in time so to speak but you know a smaller house that wasn't as nice a few doors down from me sold for like hundreds of thousands of more 60 days before. And there's just a part where you're like, oh my gosh, that seems so unfair. I still did really well and I'm blessed. Um, but it, it you can't live in the past when you're trying to price a home or sell a home because um that is certainly something I've I've found so far this year is people, well, like last year my neighbor got whatever, whatever. That's That ship has sailed, and now we're in a completely different market. So, you know, just operate on the basis of today's market. And my advice for both sides of this is always, like, really vet your agent. You know? Mm. I mean, honestly, people should interview a few agents. It's it's funny. I think I get it. Like, we have so many agents in town. Oh, I've got a friend of a friend or whatever. And it's like, yes, but you know what? Like, Maybe you should see if you're a fit and it works both ways. Mm. Uh, There's, there's definitely a type of person that's probably not a, I'm probably not a great fit for and vice versa. Um, So really you got a lot of options in Guelph, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of real estate agents. So Mm -hmm. I think my biggest piece of advice is find a good one. And um, you can always ask for references. This is no different than hiring anyone else to me. It's sure. I don't know that I've ever, for example, been asked for references considering how much volume of work I do. That's kind of remarkable, mm-hmm. Put people to the test and, and don't just look at their website or whatever, like ask to, you know, Hey, could I talk to the last person who, <clears throat> you know, you'd have to get privacy permissions and all that stuff. But, sure. and on the buying side, you know, I think I've, I always feel that, uh, due diligence is, really important in the process one of the hardest things of the craziness of 2022 was watching so many people especially young people buying houses no home inspections Mm. no conditions no nothing and it's like what happens when Mm -hmm. you get eyes on the attic and it's full of mold or something and you've bought it it's yours um you know get a home inspection if you possibly can get a good home inspection just like everything else like real estate there's great really really experienced home inspectors and then there's people that just woke up and said they're home inspectors um <laughs> and, and everything in between um your financing you know Another piece of advice I have is shop it around. You know, um, the stress test has proven really challenging for buyers, but some people um, might be able to work with credit unions that, for example, are starting to not look at that. It gives you mm. a lot more purchasing power. Um, it's, it's never a bad idea to shop around. I think you have to be a savvy consumer. And uh, a savvy consumer is making sure they have the best lender as well as the best real estate agent
0: and all of those things. I had one more question. It just occurred to me, so I apologize for lying, but uh, the when the monthly real estate numbers come out and, and we in the media report them as like, Oh, this month's housing prices went up 7% or it went down 6%. Are we helping or hurting the cause?
1: I don't think you're hurting it at all. Okay. I, I don't <laughs> think that I don't, I think that's information that really i People need to have that information. I, it, it does form a piece of the puzzle with regard to values. So I don't think you're. I don't think you're hurting it. I think what hurts it is um, when we start to see a trend of people knowingly overpaying for property. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw this very early on, January 2022 all of a sudden I'm up in the East end and all of a yeah. sudden there's townhouses selling for over a million dollars. And I'm what? Yeah. What? That's cr-. And I like, lo- Hey, I love my neighborhood, but I was like, that's what's happening. You know? And it, it was just like one. And then all of a sudden, bam, bam, bam. It just it, So I think what, what, what really hurts us is, um, is, is that the frenzy starts and somewhere along the line, people, people, and maybe their real estate agents in certain cases, obviously, just don't put the brakes on and say this seems really crazy, um, mm. you know. And what are those? What are those townhouses worth today? Hundreds of thousands less.
0: Right. The, the frenzy is what the reason why I ask because I, I find and this is by no means a criticism because i i do agree it's information it should be reported but i wonder if sometimes it accidentally gets framed like sort of like we're covering a sport like oh the the housing market went up four percent this quarter and uh that's up two percent from last year and it's part of this trend and it it feels like we accidentally create that frenzy by by doing by by framing the analysis as kind of like a box score
1: you know that's that's interesting i i I hadn't thought of it that way, but I get it. I um, I, I'll tell you how I relate to that is I remember remember watching uh, another real estate agent, like a social media reel or something like this. And it was right in the middle of this frenzy. And I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I wear my heart on on my sleeve. Everybody knows that about me. I'm a crier. I'm a mom. Um, You know, I really love my clients that I work with and I want to help them. So when I would open up that hot sheet every morning and in fact, just thinking about it, I'm like, Ugh, I felt almost sick to my stomach because I'd be looking at it going, what's, what's happening. What, this is my town. Like we're, we're, are we honestly selling townhouses for a million dollars now? Mm. Uh, and, and in a neighborhood, like again, in the East end where we always were like, yeah, it's, it's cheaper up here. Come on and stay with us. Um, so I, I really felt very unsettled and very, uncomfortable with it and was put my focus on listings uh which is a big focus for me anyways and just thought i i just don't i just don't know if i can help people buy in this market um i don't know that i want to right and i i really felt very unsettled with it and uncomfortable and it, and there but there was a lot of discussion around because you know when real estate agents quote unquote win or whatever there's always a lot of hey look at the price I got for my clients and and all of that kind of stuff on the marketing side which is perfectly fine except when you're in a market like that and I can remember saying I do some mentoring and I can remember saying to agents go easy on the uh, celebratory stuff because right. you know, you've got people out there that have like lost 10 offers they are desperate they are panicking they're, if they're like me, they're probably at home crying uh, when they lose, um, you know, and they, the last thing they need is to see us having a big celebration over the fact that a house just sold 200 some odd thousand dollars over asking. Right. Um, I was so uncomfortable with it and I would get on social media and I remember seeing one and it was like, I can't, I'm not going to get it right, but I just remember that it was like. A reel about how many offers they had gotten on this property. And what? I want to see I want to see the agent like at a stack oh. of them and like throw it up in the air or something, like, you know, and it was all just, I just thought, oh, I don't know. I that's not my read on the buying market right now. People are so stressed, they're so frustrated, they're so they hate the process, the blind bidding. The holding offers, the games, um, and so I, I know. I think I'm in touch with that because I. Right. There's been times where I'm like, I don't know. Do we in the middle of a market where people are just being bought at? Like people just started started off in January looking for a townhouse, and all of a sudden that's it. Right. People are moving to Hairston or wherever because they just are so far priced out of the market here. And so uh, sometimes I feel like we we need to self edit and um there's a, there's a time for celebrating don't get me wrong i i right. get it um and of course you want to celebrate with your seller clients because they're happy but you also have to have some empathy for the people that are stuck in this real mess um and even as much as houses have come down since the height of that craziness it's still incredibly expensive to buy in this city mm-hmm. um and- prices have come down but the rates have gone up so there's a bit of a wash thing happening there so um i think i relate to that in the sense that you know when i see i get these postcards oh your neighbor sold for whatever
0: Mm.
1: oh yeah okay i get it Mm -hmm. you have to do your thing you need to market i i don't begrudge you but um it it kind of can give the impression that all we care about is the deal Mm -hmm. and um if all you care about is the deal no that's not that's not going to solve the housing crisis we we actually do have to put some some empathy and um you know some some grace back into the process that's part of the role we have the municipal government needs to do its thing you know, the Bank of Canada and the mortgage side of it. I think there's some work to be done there. Not a fan of the stress test, I won't (laughs) lie when they're this high. Um, But on the real estate side, yeah, there's reform coming. And then there's also just maybe we can just bring a little more grace to the process in certain cases.
0: Well, I appreciate the grace you brought to this podcast today. And <laughs> I, I, I found it very insightful. And I and I, I think the listeners will too. So Kelly Caldwell, thank you so much for, for giving us your time today. Thank you. Have a great day. And once again, that was Kelly Caldwell. You can find her at her website at kellycaldwell.ca. That is K-E-L-L-Y-C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L dot C-A. And That's where you can also find all her blog posts, including her latest one, which is simply called NIMBY in Guelph. At her website, you can also find contact information there, should you wish to engage her services as a realtor. And you can also find her on social media at Realtor Kelly Caldwell on Facebook and at K Caldwell on Twitter. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, and to learn more about CFRU, go to cfru.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify, and when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media, at Guelph Politico on Twitter, and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, or send me an email at Adam at Donaldson As always, if you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you this time next week, and until then...